Other tone, 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 tone. This is a true story. Drapetomaniacs uses dramatizations, primary sources, and the research of black historians to depict real events and historical figures. Today's episode features Yvette Nicole Brown and Roderick Morrow. Previously on Drapetomaniacs, Unshackled History. I see we're back to performing Joel of Slander for clicks. Aren't we tired? Jalof ain't nothing but Uncle Ben's with Zatarain's and peas in it. We explore a unique brand of virtual oppression Olympics. Diaspora Wars are what happens when black social media users start arguing about what kind of black people is superior to the other kind of black people. We made direct calls to the organizers of the multicultural rebellion of 1811. Are we talking about the time we killed all them paper napkins? <laughs> a rebellion built around the explicit goal of killing whites. Brotherhood in the armed resistance is forged in the field of battle. Delon was many things. Kwaku and Kwamina gave us the lowdown on guerrilla warfare tactics. I started telling my fellow compatriots about stories of revolution from other plantations. I'm Black identity extremist Michael Harriet, and welcome to another episode of Drapetomaniacs, Unshackled History. Together, we dismantle white lies with the black-ass truth and finish telling the story of the multicultural revolt of 1811. This episode includes detailed mentions of dehumanization and physical violence resulting in death. White lies. You know them. You've heard them. You've believed them. They come in all forms, all shapes, all sizes. There are little white lies. You don't need to wash your legs in the shower. Big white lies. Joe Biden stole the election. Then there are huge white lies. Friends is the funniest sitcom of all time. As you've witnessed, these lies can be extremely dangerous and destructive. We all know Living Single did it first and did it better. All through history, the yamskin folks have replaced truth with their version of events, ones that serve whiteness. This is why the entire concept of drapetomania is a white lie. It implies that only a mentally ill black person would want to be free. But how do we at Drapetomaniac's Unshackled History get to the black ass truth? We go to both the past and the future. This program documents actual white lie investigations. All white people are presumed guilty until proven innocent. Listener discretion is advised. To help get him to the black ass truth, or BAT, Michael is joined by a time traveling expert who specializes in investigating white lies. Together, they will journey back to 1811 to uncover the black ass truth about the events that led to the revolt. Thank you for joining us, Detective Crane. Happy to be here, Michael. Now tell me, is 2023 before or after the Great Water Wars? The pleasure is all. Wait, what wars? Detective Helena Crane is the head of the Black History Preservation Unit, the highly decorated and oddly affable social wellness administrator has been with the force since 3582 when black people invented time travel. Because of course we would. Tell us, Detective, how does time travel inform your work? Michael, it's the whole pumpkin spice pie, right? That whenever we get a report about suspicious white lie activities, like in the case of the 1811 Andrew Plantation murders, I go back in time to investigate it, to, to bring us the, uh, the, what did you call it again? Uh, right, the B-A-T. Nope, mm-mm. I don't like that, Alex. I don't like how it sounds. Copy that. Scrapping the acronym. Let's get the updated playback ready. Thank you. Detective Crane is joined by Constable Alex Newman, a social wellness administrator in training, and a quiet-spoken sociopath. 
Alex prides themselves in being dangerously effective. I go back in time to investigate it, to, to bring us the, uh, the, what did you call it again? Uh, right, the black ass truth. Done. Okay, moving on. I said moving on! What exactly does the work entail, detective? Well, Brother Harriet, whenever we get suspicious of certain incoherent or incomplete historical tales, we go back and get the absolute truth from the black people who were involved. We document diligently. Uncovering the black ass truth throughout history. You must stay busy. And I'll say this, much like these white folks lies, I'm out here working, huh? Overtime. <laughs> what was that? What was what? You didn't hear? Never mind. I have so many questions for you, Detective Crane. First of all, a time machine. He's gonna ask me about slavery, isn't he? It's a slavery question, absolutely, yes. Why haven't you changed the past for black people? Freed the slaves and whatnot. Super original. <sighs> Great question, Michael. It was the first thing we tried. We had a man go back and try to free his ancestor from bondage. But the laws of quantum physics are generally opposed to being fucked with, so he ended up erasing his entire family lineage from the timeline. We tried a bunch of things, you know, but even tiny moves that we thought would have little impact, but doggone it, those little suckers know how to result in massive unforeseen consequences. We tried to stop Janet Jackson from dating Jermaine Dupree, but, but we almost lost a Velvet Rope album. And that almost led to an intergalactic war with a planet run by rhythmic BDSM bone coppers. It's a whole thing. Suffice to say, we know better than to change the past at will. Also, because of our melanin-based technology, we couldn't interact with or be seen by the sun stricken in the past. Can you imagine how dangerous it would be for black folks to be seen by those savages? I'd rather be not alive by baby dinosaurs. <laughs> Same. The machine only allows us to stay in the past for 48 hours. After that, the charge runs out, and you must put the batteries in the refrigerator to recharge. So the batteries in the fridge trick does work? I think I owe my cousin an apology. Okay, your job, social wellness administrators. They're the cops of the future, aren't they? Is it a conflict in the future, being a cop? Oh, that's right, I forgot. They still have white people here. Today, we're pretty fond of the acronym ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards. That's my bad. We also have ACAB from our time, Michael. ACAB, All Cops Are Black. Holy shit. I'd love to sit here and spoil the future for you all the live long day, but this true crime TV show slash podcast hybrid about time travel and technology being used to deconstruct white lies is called the first, first 48 for a reason. What's true for all black history detectives? Their chance of deconstructing white lies is cut in half if they don't get a lead in the first 48 hours after a historical event. We'll continue after this break. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Let's continue with this episode. Oh, Lord, I be goddamn. They had Charles the Pieces? 
not my nigga Charles. All he did was kill a couple of white people. The confrontation between black revolutionaries and white slave masters ends in a fateful encounter in a Louisiana swamp. His body is found chopped to pieces in the marshlands. The young man was fighting for his freedom, but he ended up murdered. The choices made that fateful day are bound to change the surrounding community forever. And the clock is ticking. Our black history detectives must separate the truth from the white lies surrounding this forgotten historical event. Alex, set me up. He was chopped to death with a hatchet. Hmm, looks like it's time for me to ask some questions. That, you heard it that time, right? It's good, right? Bars. New Orleans, Louisiana, January 8th, 1811. The Andre Plantation, home to Colonel Manuel Andre and his family. Local authorities received the following 911 call from an anonymous caller in the middle of the night. 911, what's your emergency? Oh my God, there's been a chopping. A bunch of black dudes are running around with weapons and I think, no, I for sure saw them chop up Manuel Anderson Gilbert. They hacked him to pieces for no reason. I think, no, I know for sure that the blacks went wild out of nowhere. These Negroes are attacking this God-loving, slave-owning family. Please hurry up. Can you tell me where that happened? It's the Negroes. It's finally happened. They're going crazy. I don't know why. It's like they have some kind of mental disorder. Please, hurry. Yes, ma'am. I mean, the cops are doing everything in their power to get there, but that's only one horsepower. People didn't have phones back then, Detective. The phone wasn't invented until 1876. Peak op behavior. Have you always been a nerd? Michael, we're making entertainment here. A few liberties have been taken with the story. Now, may I? Sure. No, go ahead. We're on our way to New Orleans. White people are saying it was an unsophisticated, unprovoked attack by enslaved Negroes. But in the future, we have discovered a truth that cannot be ignored. White people be lying. Arriving at the scene of the Andrew Plantation, Detective Crane starts her forensic investigation. The body of Gilbert Andrew lies on the ground in pieces. Phew, mosquitoes are out to get me. Just how people live before air-conditioned clothes? Okay, uh, let's see the body. Damn, that is one hacked-up white boy. It looks like they caught him by surprise. It sure seems like he couldn't hack it. Well, that one wasn't great, but I still liked it. And you can tell by the footprints around this scene that there were multiple attackers. Boy, you never stood a chance. We followed Detective Crane as she scopes out what went on inside the house. She takes the stairs to the massive bedroom and discovers a tussled room with a blood-drenched bed at its center. Looks like this is where he was sleeping. Manuel Andre, the owner of this plantation, was sleeping when the assailants kicked in the door to his room. That could have been what woke him from his sleep. You know, or the sounds of his son being given the Benihana treatment downstairs. Maybe that set him off. Either way, he was wounded, but managed to escape. Looking through Manuel Andre's belongings, our detective discovers his Louisiana militia uniform is missing. So it was all strategic. According to the police reports, on the night of Tuesday, January 8th, 1811, Colonel Manuel Andre was one of the few white men in the area not celebrating Jesus's baby shower, the Feast of the Epiphany. In the middle of the night, he was stirred out of his sleep wondering why his most loyal slave was standing over him with an axe. Andre noticed that Deland was not alone. 
Just as the lion lifted his axe, Andrew leapt out of the bed, bum-rushed the Acostas, and escaped down the staircase, wounded but alive. As Andrew left his home, he caught a glimpse of the revolters hacking his son Gilbert to pieces. But the historical recollection of this crime isn't adding up. These black folks didn't just act a fool, they had a plan. They left all his clothes, except the militia uniform. There was some foresight behind this operation. This wasn't some straight up burglary. Look at all the valuables they left behind. A flat screen TV. Oh wait, that's just a painting. Flaming Lyle Cheetos, a complete DVD collection of Chuck. They didn't destroy the place either. Hello? I was told I was next. Detective Helena Crane has only a few hours left to determine if this was a planned revolt or some random act of black rage. Come in, sit. I'm Detective Helena Crane with the Black History Investigation Unit of the Social Wellness Force in the year 3582. Detective Crane has been interviewing black witnesses for hours. I was hoping to ask you a few questions about what happened on this plantation last night. I'm not in it. Detective Crane has watched many episodes of BET Uncut and realizes that she must use their native language if she has any hopes of getting to the black ass truth. You saw everything, huh? You don't want to be blamed, huh? Just give me your name, huh? The name's Anna Bennett, and I'm not in it. I had nothing to do with what happened last night, and I don't talk to the police. Oh, you say you ain't in it, huh? You don't want to be snitching, huh? I'm a black history detective, huh? I ain't gonna trap you, huh? We can't let white people wash over the history of what happened, huh? How the fuck am I supposed to say, nah, I'm good, to that little speech? And why are you talking like that? Oh, you don't speak juvenile? Weird. Okay, so what happened? The detective catches her first real break. It was Charles DeLon and his boys. Charles DeLon days? Can you tell me more about him? He was one of Massa Andrews' trusted slaves. Real talk, though, nobody liked him like that. I kind of just saw him as this overseer, step-and-fetching-ass nigga. But then I saw him carrying that axe towards the big house last night, and I thought, now, wait a minute. Maybe I had Charlie fucked up this whole time. So he was alone? It was a whole gang of them no-limit soldiers. I thought I told you. Anyway, they all had blades from the sugarcane fields, too. Then I heard a lot of screaming. They made him say, uh. So I said, na 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 na. Master Gilbert, Colonel Andrews' son? Yeah, he got hacked up to pieces right over there. One of them asked me if I wanted to chop him up too. But you know, the name's Bennett. And you not in it. Got it. What happened after that? Where did they go? Girl, they ran up on the weapon stash spot. They got all the muskets, and they knew how to use them too. I told them they belonged to the 99th Regiment of the 2000th Brigade, but apparently they taking over for the 99 and 2000. They asked me if I wanted to go with him, but... Bennett and you're not in it. We're aware. Is there anyone else I can talk to who maybe was in it? Charles or someone who knows him? And Miss Bennett, before you answer, consider that while you may not prefer to be in it, you are standing squarely on my last nerve. I wouldn't advise that you stand there for much longer. You are so tiny and yet so scary. Thank you. Okay, but y'all ain't heard this from me. Rumor has it that Charles had him a little girlfriend over on the Trepanier plantation. And quiet as they may have tried to keep it, I still heard where they was headed next. They started chanting, We ready, we ready, we ready for y'all. And off down that hill. Armed with new information and a lead suspect, Detective Crane sets off towards the Trepanier plantation to establish a motive. With just under 36 hours left to discover the black-ass truth behind the revolt of 1811, the clock is ticking. 
They got me in this hick-ass town around these stinking-ass horses. I swear to God, we recording Alex. Already scrapped. Thank you. The detective knocks on the door of one of Charles DeLon's known associates, Fantasia Butler. They say she was his girlfriend. She might know something about his motives. Because Colonel Andrew trusted DeLon, he often allowed him to spend the night at his girlfriend's slave quarters on the nearby Trepanier farm. Both slave owners hoped the romance would result in offspring and the financial windfall of free human labor. Rashida, turn that down for me, love. I'll be right back. Is that what I think I smell? Why? Am I under arrest, officer? The police haven't even been invented yet, right? I'm from the future, Miss Butler. Weed is legal. I just haven't been hit with the smell of a vintage strain in years. Oh, memories. Anyway, let's Charles Delans. My sources say you and he were seeing each other at night. What do you know about his rebellion? Not a damn thing. Now, sis, this isn't about snitching. I simply want to get the record straight about what happened here. White people just said a bunch of black men went savage and killed innocent white folks minding their business. Now, I know that's not the truth. They don't tell the truth. We know this about them, so anything you can tell me would be helpful. But that's the thing, my baby. I know nothing about his rebellion because we didn't spend time together. See, Charles' master and my master wanted him to come over to my place every night and lay together until I popped out some octoroon babies. And I'm sorry, but that's not how I get down. He didn't want that either. So we'd go inside, wait until everyone was asleep, and then Charles would sneak off into the woods with his co-conspirator buddies. He revolted in his way. I rebelled in mine. So you were part of the revolt? I, I don't understand. There are many ways to revolt baby love. Come on, not all of it must be violent. Not all of it can be peaceful. I revolted with pleasure. I was rebelling with whomever I wanted, for however long I wanted, in whatever frequency I wanted. Oh, work, you sickening bitch. I had me a hot girl summer, fall, and winter. We're here for a short time, not a long time. I'll be damned if I'm gonna spend all of it suffering. I support what Charles and them did. Them white folks definitely needed killing. But I believe in spreading freedom and them cheeks too. I know that's right. Fantasia, you coming back to bed? Asking for a friend. Apparently I'm needed. Our master just died, so we're having an all-day orgy to celebrate. Is there anything else I can help you with? You're welcome to partake in some of our a revolution. Um, no thank you. Thank you, but no. You go. Get mowed down. Wait, is there anyone else I should speak to? Have you spoken to Gustav? Gustav, Master Trepanier's pet slave. We'll continue after this break. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. We're back. Let's continue with this episode. A brutal and eccentric master, Francois Trepanier was known to keep a small boy, Gustave, as a house pet. He would feed the boy table scraps like a human puppy. But now, Gustave was getting older. Many of Trepanier's slaves believed the next child born on the estate would replace Gustave as the Trepanier pet. It really burned me up looking at that shit. He dressed him in fancy clothes and then fed him from the table like a puppy. They made him do pet tricks to entertain company and everything. I was elated to hear about what Gustav did to Master Chapagnier. What did he do? The detective eventually arrives at the New Orleans lockup where Gustav and a few other revolutionaries who weren't killed in the battle are before trial. The young man is facing capital murder charges. If convicted, which, let's face it, he will be, he will surely get the death penalty. Helena doesn't have much time to get to the black-ass truth. Four hours remain on the clock. Hold up. Helena, how do we go from 36 to 4? That math is off, detective. Are you high right now? Alex, get Michael to mind his own business. Michael, drop the questions or I will drag your dick first into a hole ripped through the fabric of space and time. I can do that, you know. It's not some empty threat. Gustav, I'm Detective Helena Crane with the Black History Investigation Unit of the Social Wellness Force in the year 3582. I want to know the black-ass truth of what went down here. Also, I'm up against the clock because I kind of spent a whole day at this super lit orgy. I knew Zip it. Zip it. Sorry, Gustav. As I was saying... I'm not talking to no cops, dog. Huh. Fair. But see, I'm not really a cop. I'm from the future, and I'm just here to get your side of the story before they execute you. Did you at least bring snacks? I said, actually, that's not a bad idea. Thanks. Uncooperative interviews can often be won over by food. Alex hands her a two-piece spicy combo from Popeyes. Yes, I carry an emergency two-piece spicy combo from Popeyes. Yes, the future still has Popeyes, nigga. It's fucking Popeyes. It's great. Gustav opens the box. He starts to open up to investigator Crane. Uh, this is good. You know, I never had food in this own container before. Master Chapanye used to feed me scraps from his table like I was a dog. So I talk like this, like a dog. I guess that's why you joined the revolt against him. Hey, yo, hey, yo. It, it was, was January 8th in the middle of the night. And if a dog don't eat, then a dog gon' bite. Charles looked at all of us and said, it's time to ride. That's why Master never see me coming up from the side. See, he was prepared for a frontal attack. But he wasn't ready for me with the axe to his back. Let's get it understood. I chopped him up like wood. And after that, we escaped and met up in the hood. Wow, okay. Actual bars. That must have taken a lot of people to pull that off. The records of white people say there were only 24 people in your crew. 
Only 24 peeps? Oh, y'all must be sleep. We was rolling through the streets, 500 niggas deep. Every house we walked by, we would have been flaming, but they got lucky that night, cause it wouldn't stop raining. The white people ran up to New Orleans gates in all the commotion. They managed to escape. Then the governor, Willie Claiborne, put out a curfew on every black in New Orleans. Didn't matter if you was a slave or freeborn, you better have your black ass inside until the morning. Whew, you spin that hot fire. Yes, according to the official story, the revolutionaries met at a designated spot and began their march to New Orleans. As they marched toward freedom, the rebellion grew. Because of the driving rain, they couldn't burn down the plantations they passed. But during the march, maroons and free black laborers continued to join in. Although surviving records only account for 24 slaves in the revolt, Eyewitnesses say there were between 200 and 500 revolters by the time they were holed up in the 40-year estate planning to invade New Orleans. The next morning, the men guarding the city awoke to a huddled mass waiting at the gates. Thank you. I do have questions, though. Were you really headed to New Orleans to attack them? Because in the whitewashed version of history, they credit Brigadier General Wade Hampton with ending the revolt. Mm, um, ho- hold on one second, uh, sis. Uh, are those beignets? Yes, those are beignets. I fucking love beignets. Okay, uh, where was I? General Hampton came to the city to get the rebellion squad, so we gathered up his troops and said it's time to march. We was running out of bullets, only half of us was armed. But what he didn't know, we was waiting in the swamps. They thought they had us beat, cause they was rolling deep. But our Ashanti warrior trainer told us how to fake retreat. But then we got played, we started getting slayed. Not by General Hampton, but by the one that got away. The one who got away? Do you mean Manuel Andre? The man who escaped Charles DeLange in the first attack? He gathered up some men and then he came back? Oh God, now you got me rhyming. Manuel went on the run after we chopped up his son, but he went and got some men, then they went and got some guns and... Mm. Hmm. I'm sorry, but these beignets? Airy, bouncy, melt in your mouth. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, they grabbed up some boats, angry as fuck, and they rolled up on our backs, but it was just pure luck. We ran out of bullets, and I'm sad to say that they did to Charles what I did to Japan, yay. They dismembered him? Yeah, they dismembered him. But as a leader of the rebellion, that's, that's how we remember, remember him. him. They put us on trial, but that only lasted for a while. Quaker went from me and never snitched. They just smiled. Now I'm on death row. I know how it's gonna go. The judge said he wants our heads strung up on a pole. But if you hit a dog, then a dog gon' bite. We took back our freedom. Now they gotta take our life. That was very helpful, Gustav. Thank you. You helped me solve the case with just enough time to stop by Fantasia's orgy for another couple of hours. And, and thank you for the beignets. When Hampton ordered an attack, he found that the No Limit soldiers had retreated. Little did he know that Ashanti warriors were known for strategic retreats that lured their opponents into a false sense of security. The multicultural brigade was waiting in the nearby swamps, ready to attack. The desperados were all set to wipe the floor with Hampton when Colonel Andrew, who had escaped after his son was hacked to death, attacked them from behind. Andre hadn't fled to New Orleans like the other white folk. Instead, he had escaped across the Mississippi and assembled a militia on the other side of the river. And that is what ultimately doomed the revolt. With only hours to spare, Detective Helena Crane has gotten to the black-ass truth of what happened in the revolt of 1811. The first, first 48, documents actual white lie investigations 
All white people are presumed guilty until proven innocent. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, what a journey. I honestly loved it. I was prepared not to, but I love this. How can I watch this all the time? Live for another 1,500 years or so. Honestly, I'm surprised the Earth still has humans on it 1,500 years from now with global warming and all. After all the white people were gone, the global warming thing sort of took care of itself. Let's just say we finally had a climate for change. I see what you did there. Thanks for your time, Helena. Keep up the good work, Michael. Wait, where's Alex? Oh, they left. They haven't announced a single exit in the 200 years they've been training under me. How old are you? Bye. The paranoia after a slave rebellion made plantation owners in the state take the militia duties seriously. Gun sales soared, and volunteer militia continued to train weekly after Delon, Quamina, and Kawaku's rebellion had been put down. Meanwhile, the city of New Orleans banned the sale of ammunition to black people and outlawed slaves from congregating at any event other than a funeral or at a Sunday dance. I mean, it was still New Orleans after all. During the tribunals following the revolt in 1811, many of the mutineers were asked what would have happened if they had succeeded. Most said they wanted to form their own all-black town. Remember James Brown, the plantation owner who purchased Kwaku and Kwamina in last week's episode? Well, Brown testified that he watched Kwaku, Kwamina, Charles, and Harry plan the rebellion. But only DeLond and another black man named Jupiter were ever charged as the leaders of the revolt. Jupiter, whom no other enslaved person ever suggested was one of the revolt's principal architects, was asked by interrogators why he joined the insurrection. He responded, I wanted to go to the city to kill whites. Perhaps Jupiter's simple, straightforward, and unapologetic answer is why he was charged as a leader. But Jupiter was not expressing an emotion or the collective desire of the rebels. He was simply stating a fact. Their goal was freedom. To achieve it, they knew they had to remove the biggest obstacle to their liberation and their very existence. So what do you do? when you're surrounded by people who live under the delusion that you can rape, kill, starve, sodomize, kidnap, beat, torture, wound, threaten, gaslight, and commit unspeakable violence to the bodies, the minds, and the souls of black people, and there would be no response, no accountability. Well, you cannot do that. The Akan warriors knew it. The Jamaican Maroons knew it. The Haitian revolutions knew it. And every black person in America knows it. We've all heard someone sing that old Negro spiritual, and before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home with my Lord and be free. But in 1811, the entire African diaspora came together and sang, nah, you first. On the next episode of Drapetomaniac's Unshackled History. So you're saying no clinical trials have been done? We've done extensive trials in Africa. Ah, but no trials in America. Why am I begging y'all to let me save your lives? Do you want the cure to pox or not? 
we'll tell you the story of the enslaved man who revolutionized medicine and saved the world. This podcast is dedicated to the brave veterans of the German Coast Uprising, the Montgomery Melee, and all the brave soldiers who decided they're gonna lay down some white folks down by the riverside. Drapetomaniacs is a collaboration between Othertone, Sony Music Entertainment, and Queer Media. This podcast is produced by Nolika Radway and Moses Shoyola with senior producer Janicia Francis, managing producer Joanne DeLuna, production coordinator Homero Radway, and production assistant Jillian Roberts Atkinson. Executive producers for this show are Pharrell Williams and Scott Venner. Our team includes Sidless Miami, Dallas Rico, Roderick Morrow, and Danielle Solomon. Special thanks to voice actors Andrea O'Brien Vives, Jason Vives, Avron Roberts, Jenna Burton, Abby Wambao, Michelle Tapino, and Venny Lenzo. Our sound engineer is Tony Paulson. Our fact checker is LaPortia Thomas. Music supervisor is Patricia Wangeshi Kihoro. The theme song is Freedom by Pharrell Williams. The music featured in this episode include Beyond All Time by Adrian Walter, West by Shimmer, Synthetic Deception by Joella Fazzeri, Landing by God Mode, Dead Forest by Brian Bolger, Who We Be by Instrumental, and Frightmare and Devil's Organ by Jimena Contreras. This episode starred Yvette Nicole Brown as Helen Crane and Roderick Morrow as Gustav. Read more by Michael Harriet at thegrio.com.